from approving Bring Chicago Home to voting on censure for one of its own. Chicago City Council has faced some major hurdles this week. And the body is expected to vote on the city's next budget tomorrow. Are they ready? Well, joining us again to help make sense of it all are WBEZ's city government and politics reporters, Tessa Weinberg and Mariah Wolfel. Tessa's here with us in studio while Mariah is joining us from City Hall by phone. Welcome back, you two. Thanks for having us. Thanks. I want to start with you, Tessa. Chicago City Council members, they're expected to vote on that $16.6 billion budget tomorrow, as I mentioned. So it sailed through two city council committees with little controversy. So will this last step be Mm stress-free? Yeah, likely. I think the fact that we've seen little opposition to it along the way in this committee process signals that. Um, And, you know, Mayor Johnson, he included some, you know, deal sweeteners for older persons. For example, um, in this amendment process, he shifted some funding around to grant them all an additional staffer. So now they'll have four budgeted staff each instead of three, which has long been a call for them of Mm -hmm. saying, we need more support, you know, in our offices. Um, and, you know, it's following through on a lot of his campaign promises uh, to not raise property taxes, laying the groundwork for uh, a new Department of Environment, piloting, reopening mental health clinics. Um, but we have seen some city council meetings. Um, you know, it seems like everyone we have recently gets really heated. There's lots of public comment, lots of debate mm-hmm. on, you know, how the city is spending its money, especially when it comes to supporting asylum seekers that have come to the city. So I won't be surprised if we see some of that pushback voice, you know, tomorrow, especially with persons noting and having been critical that, you know, the $150 million put towards new arrival services is likely not going to be enough um, to last us through the rest of the year. And so right. we'll probably see that come up again. Remind us, Mariah, about the, the biggest points of that budget plan like and how it will eliminate the over half a billion dollar shortfall. Sure. So I think Tessa just um, highlighted most of them, right, a lot of um, chipping away at some of Johnson's key campaign promises, like the Department of Environment, like reopening health clinics, like not raising property taxes. And um, he's making, you know, he's inching towards those promises um, in this budget without raising property taxes and while dealing with a $538 million budget gap. And that was a gap he said he's been able to to close by increased revenue projections, personnel savings. He says, you know, he's renegotiated health care costs for um, many city workers. And, you know, that's all well contractual obligations the city has um, for union workers, which is the majority of city workers have grown as well. But he says he's been able to close that budget gap. Mm. And you mentioned, uh, Tessa, how the city is, of course, still dealing with an ever urgent migrant crisis. This budget earmarks some money to support that community in Chicago. We've talked about it uh, a few times here on the program. I'm curious, are are most alders on board with this plan at this point, or are we still seeing a lot of controversy there? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there has definitely been criticism and acknowledgement from older persons that, you know, $150 million to get us through all of next year is likely not going to be yeah. enough. Um, but also recognizing that, you know, they say it's unfair for the city to be the only one that should be expected to, you know, shoulder this burden. And we're talking $150 million to, to house, feed, mm-hmm. and care for tens of thousands of people who were sent here mm-hmm. from the southern border. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, with um, the, you know, paying for millions of dollars in contracts for to staff these shelters, you know, we still haven't seen these uh, winterized base camps even be constructed yet, and those will have ongoing costs. Um, so there's been, you know, depending on just the, the scale of, you know, 
that we see in the next year of people coming, you know, it remains to be seen how much costs are going to grow. Um, so his budget does allocate $150 million um, for this kind of line item of new arrival services. He is bolstering some staff, too, in different departments to try to help pay for this. But his administration has acknowledged, you know, this is why we need the you know feds and the state to step in more, that this won't be enough. This will be a challenge. Yesterday, Mariah, you covered a meeting between Mayor Johnson and NAACP President Derek Johnson on the divisions created by how the city has handled the migrant crisis. Tell us more about that and, and what they had to say. Sure. So I actually covered a press conference after the meeting. The meeting was close to the public and it was with the NAACP as well as black pastors um, from the south and west sides of the city. And after the meeting, you know, to be honest, like there wasn't that much news said. Um, you know, they are pitching a, a message of, of unity, of wanting to both care for new arrivals while taking care of residents who have lived in communities long, been disinvested in the city of Chicago. And that's a message Johnson has repeatedly said. Um, but, you know, you still see um, divisiveness among, you know, all groups, not just between black and Latinos um, in Chicago, at least in city council meetings where things have gotten um, really kind of chaotic in the past month um, and usually centered around the migrant crisis. But I think what Johnson is trying to do is, particularly as his budget gets passed, highlight the things in his budget that do, you know, serve to help disinvested communities um, like, you know, money for homeless prevention, um, um, you know, money for the Department of Environment to address environmental racism that is, that South and West Side residents face. Um, 4,000 new jobs for um, young people next summer mm -hmm. as part of Johnson's public safety plan. Um, but these are all things that, you know, they're, they're not necessarily new. Like, they're, they're new as in um, in the past month or two. Right. But this is this is something that Johnson is struggling, I think, to communicate to residents. And so I did ask what what specific steps did you guys talk about to kind of heal this tension that has really spiked in the past few months? And he 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 just reiterated his message and all the things he does see himself doing for, you know, long disinvested communities. But the question of how that gets communicated to residents and how you change the perception that migrants are getting all of this attention and all of this funding mm -hmm. while, you know, disinvested communities aren't, that's a big question and not one that we really got an answer on yesterday. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Every Tuesday, we discuss the latest news out of Mayor Johnson's administration. And we're joined today by WBEZ city government and politics reporters Tessa Weinberg and Mariah Wolfel. So, Tessa, City Council passed an ordinance that puts the question of uh, adjusting the real estate transfer tax for the sale of properties that are over a million dollars. That's now going to be on the ballot. So mm -hmm. give us the response to this vote. Yeah, I think for, you know, advocates who have been trying for years to get this on the ballot. They're celebrating. A, yeah, it was, you know, long sought after win, lots of, you know, cheers and celebration. Um, you know, And just, advocates for the homeless. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, just a, just a year ago, they, you know, the supporters of this couldn't even get a hearing to have this heard and debated under former mayor Lori Lightfoot, who initially supported but then opposed the tax. And now they have, you know, an ally in the mayor's office who has supported this. Um, and Mayor Brendan Johnson, after it was passed, um, also, you know, was celebrating it, saying he was confident it's going to move forward. Now, though, you know, we're going to see a, a very fierce, probably heated referendum campaign in the next few months. The real estate industry is strongly opposed to this, arguing it's going to increase costs, 
past costs on Especially renters. on the commercial side, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, they argue if, if downtown buildings, property values go down, it's going to hurt everyone across the city. Um, and I should note, too, even though the, the tax increase, um, you know, is an increase uh, on properties valued over $1 million, the portion of property under $1 million will also see a tax cut. And so I think that's a point that supporters are really going to try to uh, drive home for, mm-hmm. you know, average residents of, you know, for the average person who's buying property under a million, you're experiencing this as a tax cut and that it's mostly high end property sales. And I so see. I think we'll see those those points really play and out. And now that it's been approved, just so we're clear, what's the next step? Right. So voters will now um, have a chance to basically vote on this in, in the March uh, primary election on the ballot and say yes or no. Do they support um, changing the tax um, to increase it for portions of property over a million and decrease it for property under that amount. And then it will go back to the city council who has to actually, um, you know, stipulate how this money will be spent in more specifics. It'll go towards homelessness prevention, but actually what that will look like. And they have to then pass it. So this is kind of uh, in order for the city council to have the authority to do this, voters must, a majority of voters must authorize it. And it's all governed by state law, which is why we've kind of had this drawn out, you know, lengthy process for it to go through. Something else that's been drawn out, Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa was accused of bullying recently. He faced a censure vote that ultimately failed after a tie-breaking vote by the mayor. Just remind us of what happened there, Mariah, because it surely was was a tense week. And, and what have Alders said in the aftermath of that? Sure. So Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa was trying to stop from happening a meeting where alder persons were going to discuss repealing this, the city's status as a sanctuary city, as a sanctuary city, um, which, you know, our, our status as a sanctuary city prevents Chicago police officers from cooperating in investigations relating to people's citizenship status. It, it doesn't relate to the migrant crisis, but it has made Chicago a target um, by Republican politicians sending migrants here saying, well, you're a sanctuary st- city, so, you know, um, you can house more migrants. Um, but the sanctuary city status protects undocumented residents who, who live here from being investigated by police or questioned by police. And so Ramirez Rosa was trying to stop this meeting from happening and, um, you know, engaged in what he has has called, you know, troubling behavior that he, you know, regrets, um, which was primarily his effort to physically block Emma, older person Emma Mitts from entering the chambers to to avoid um, a con, you know a, a quorum for yeah. the, that that was required for the meeting to happen. Um, you know he kind of stood in front of her, and then it was a dramatic meeting last week where Emma Mitts kind of spoke publicly for the first time, saying she felt like she was back in the South. She felt like she couldn't do her job. She felt disrespected as a woman and as a woman of color. And then Ramirez Rosa stood up and gave a public apology. They hugged at the end, but still that didn't stop Alderman Scott Wagaspack from feeling that Ramirez Rosa needed to be um, formally censured mm-hmm. um, for his behavior. And um, it was a split vote and it, it is a split council many, many days um, these days. But it was a split vote and Mayor Brandon Johnson ended up casting the tie-breaking vote not to censure Carlos. So he was able to avoid that formal you know, public mark on his yeah. record. How do you think all that an- animosity will affect tomorrow's meeting? Well, I think it just adds to the level of tension we're seeing in the city council that is 
um, brought on by a lot of things, right? The migrant crisis, um, Palestinian and um, Israel, Israeli relations right now, um, you know, in general, just like the fast track that Johnson is on to get a lot of his progressive policy pushes through um, in his first year in office. And, and so all of this just adds to a bit of a fraught relationship between the council, between different factions on the council and the executive branch that really just heightened under Lightfoot and maybe perhaps was never really healed. And now, it, it you know, with all of these outside forces as well, um, just with the multiple crises going on internationally and locally, it has just really created a tense environment. And I I don't know what the answer to that is, um, but I, I do think it, it's going to continue without any sort of intervention. Yeah. Well, Chicago workers will now be guaranteed 10 days of paid leave, Tessa, uh, but it wasn't a unanimous vote. Right. So quickly tell us who was against it and why. What mm -hmm. was their argument? Yeah, about a dozen older persons voted against the proposal. And most of them said, you know, this was just too much being foisted onto the business community at once. They noted city council recently voted to eliminate the subminimum wage and that these new regulations are set to go into effect basically at the end of this year, beginning of next year. Mm -hmm. um, they thought that was too quick for businesses, especially with a new Illinois law going into effect. That's also going to be granting workers five days of paid leave. Um, and so they were really vocal about that, an effort to try to give businesses um, you know, 30 days to correct any alleged violations before a lawsuit could commence failed, mm -hmm. although that provision is still expected to be debated within the committee process. So we might see some tweaks, but they were kind of staunchly opposed in support of the business community. Wow. And Mariah, the mayor recently made headlines after taking campaign contributions from city contractors. What happened? Right. So mayors, according to an executive order signed by former Mayor Rahm Emanuel, aren't allowed to take con campaign contributions from city contractors um, to avoid conflicts of interest, obviously. And so it turns out Johnson took about $46,000 from city contractors um, after he became mayor. And that money has been returned. And this is according to reporting by our colleagues at the Sun-Times, Bob Hergeth and Tim Novak. Um, and Johnson's political director basically said he he misread the rules. You know, he, he thought that contributions could be accepted under a certain amount um, or that, you know, this and, and one business owner who gave to John, one contractor who gave to Johnson told the Sun-Times he thought that this order was only specifically for Mayor Emanuel um, and not, you know, that it wasn't still on the books or he wasn't aware if it was still on the books. And so, you know, Know, this is this is um, this is a, a rule that even Johnson's campaign ad, aides say is a good one, and it keeps people, you know, ob objective in in terms of who gets con city contracts and um, prevents people from being able to pay through campaign ca cash for city contracts. Um, but you know, Johnson has returned the money. It's not uncommon for you know these types of things to be exposed. Money gets returned and. Um, you know, yeah. I, I'm sure Johnson's team hopes to move on from it. Yeah. Well, leave us with this, Tessa, some other campaign news. The, the city's ethics board dismissed complaints that former Mayor Lightfoot violated the city's ethics ordinance by sending emails to city workers soliciting support ahead of the election. Mm -hmm, right. What should we know? Yeah, so the ethics board unanimously uh, dismissed this, the complaint uh, yesterday, saying there was insufficient evidence that uh, Mayor Lightfoot had violated the ethics ordinance. Um, WTTW had first reported in January that her, camp, her campaign, her mayor, mayoral re-election campaign, had solicited uh, CPS teachers for student volunteers, 
uh, us in the Sun-Times, we later reported on that that included thousands of emails from multiple staffers. Um, and the Chicago Tribune later reported her, she had actually been warned a year almost prior to stop doing that. Um, but the Board of Ethics found that there wasn't sufficient evidence and that they suggested they will be putting forth a proposal to ensure that political campaigns are subject to basically, you know, regulations in their jurisdiction and not just necessarily the official mm-hmm. or the candidates. We'll leave it there for now. I know you ladies are very busy. Tessa Weinberg and Mariah Wolf are city government and politics reporters here for WBEZ. Thank you so much for making the time. Yeah, thanks so much. Mm-hmm.